What's on the silver screen? I got some takes you wouldn't believe. Hi, welcome to Pop Moses Film. Uh, this is Paul, and I have with me Tyler and Josiah. Woo-woo-woo. How are you guys doing today? We're we are good. Speaking okay. for Tyler, we are good. <laughs> we, you, you we are good. We we are good. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, how was your Comic Con at home? Was it a good experience? Did you guys get any good exclusives or anything? You know, I only got bumped into a couple of times. Waiting for the bathroom was pretty terrible, um, and. You know, um, I didn't get into all the panels that I wanted to get into, but for some strange reason, I got into all the Hall H panels. So, you know, not really oh. much to complain about. I'm just kidding. No, it, it was fine. Um, and you can also listen to all of our other um, bonus panel discussions that we've had. I think we've had three of them. But uh, no, it was it was great. You know, unnecessary debates numbers were, were fine. Uh, it was I, you know, it, I feel like this was a necessary evil and not not really evil. I I'm happy with how Comic-Con was and for them to have it virtually. I think it's a good idea and hopefully we may see it more in the future as well, as well as have like the normal convention. All right. And how about you, Josiah? Yeah, it was, it was all right. I mean, it's like the best of a bad situation kind of thing. Yeah. And it just kind of keeps it in the consciousness. Cause you, you know, you were still talking about Comic-Con and Judy Net, and it was a lot of reminiscing about Comic-Con and stuff, which I think is really what their goal was just to keep that, you know, th- that you care that this is the time of year Comic-Con, whether or not you're going there or not. So I didn't get to sort of dabble in much of it just because of children, which ironically would have been probably the problem at Comic-Con because I would have probably like, Oh, we have to leave early because of the kid kind of thing. But we still I enjoyed it. I got uh, one, well, two exclusives and, so what did you get from one super seven had a nightmare before Christmas, like figure set of glow in the dark Jack and Sally. So that's all nice. I never liked or understood the whole thing with super seven. I have so many friends who love super seven stuff and I just, I don't like it. And I, I want I love to. their stuff. I just, I don't know what it is. I just can't get into it. I don't, Man, I, I'm just weird. I'm the minority on that one. I know so many people, and I'm, I'm just the grump who doesn't, I guess. I, I love it. I lo- like. I love. I'm into their Ultimates line now, and uh, I think they're doing uh, Thundercats too. They're doing Thundercats. Oh, yeah. ironically, so speaking of Super Seven, though, I, they're not perfect, and I'm really upset with them. So, we lived in a different place, which we sold at the beginning of this year. After that happened, or right around before we sold it, actually, right at the time we were selling it, they were shipping uh, the the Master Universe based on the the movie version. They were shipping those, right? And I was super excited to get those. They sent them to the old address. Fortunately, we hadn't sold it yet. So Judy, my wife, emailed them, oh, fix the address. We've got to get it to the right address. They said, no problem. We'll do it. We can't change that address, though, for that one. That's already shipped. Like, okay. So today she got a notification that Ninja Turtles Wave 1 is shipping to the old address, which we haven't lived at since last November. We oh, don't no. own anymore. <laughs> yeah, so that's great. But That sucks. It, maybe, maybe I'm going to dislike Super 7 slightly more, but I like their stuff, so I'll say that. They, I, they hooked me when they did the Aliens line, or the Alien line, rather. Oh, the reaction? Their, the reaction. I don't like. I really didn't like a lot of the reaction figures that have come since then, for the most part, but I liked that one and the jack and uh, skellington and sally are like glow in the dark ones and that's like penny's favorite movie so it's kind of why we got that so that's awesome that was it yeah i so, just got uh, my dragon ball i just got my dragon ball z exclusives i get every year oh cool oh the sh figure arts yeah right. 
I, nice. I don't nice. know if you guys have been over in a long time or Josiah, have you ever been to my place before? I've never been to Oh yeah, I I have a shit ton of of S, of SH fig arts. That's like the only thing that I like collect. What we see is uh we don't like what we see on on, on the Skype is a tr- uh is a simulation. Really there's just a brain, like a giant brain that shoots out like Grand Geekery, you know, <laughs> a Popmosis film episode just like comes out of a pneumatic tube, you know, you send out all the different like Hitman, you know, Twitch, like, but yeah, this is all simulation that we kind of experience. Right. But the main reason why I bring Comic Comment home is because there's one panel that I looked forward to and I, I watch it in enti- its entirety and it's Bill and Ted Face the Music, which is a movie that I'm really, really excited to watch. And it's actually one of the first movies that are coming out in theaters, I believe, September 1st yeah. or end of, end of August. So I thought it'd be a what, great What time about to Tenet? I'm just kidding. Oh, Tenet? I'm just joking. I was a joke. <laughs> I don't care. Out. You know what? Honestly, I kind of want Tenet to never come out just so Christopher <laughs> Nolan can just be bitching and moaning all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, So the movie we watched is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, um, which is, I believe an amazing film that really holds up uh, all this time. And it's one of those, um, it's like a, one of those lightning in a bottle movies that like really stands the test of time. And it's, you, you could just revisit it time and time again and like have your kids watch it. Um, so first I want to actually go to the production information. And uh, so hit it, Josiah. So f- first of all, man, this is a perfect super seven property right here. Where are the uh, reaction figures for this one, super seven? Right, that's one line of toys we need. So Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was released on February 17th, 1989. So interesting enough, the movie was actually shot in 87. It was meant to be released in 88. But the per- the original financiers, a production company, they went bankrupt or something, and it was sold off. So that's why the movie – it has a little tag on there that says 1988, and they refer to it as being 1988 within the movie, even though it came out in 89. It, and it's just because the change in the, whatever – whoever then uh, bought the other rights out, the original distributor, it was intended to be released the previous year. So just a weird circumstance that – kind of weirdly work for a time travel movie that is a year out of date when it's released, interestingly enough. So it is directed by Stephen Herrick, who started with Critters, and he's done a lot of, like, movies in this era that were, like, significant to me, like Mighty Ducks, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, uh, his sort of more grown-up one, Mr. Holland's Opus. When I was in high school, that was, like, a movie that a lot of people liked that I didn't yeah. whatsoever. I was going to say. <laughs> I hated it, but it was, like, one of those things that, like, friends of mine who were like in band and music stuff they were really into this movie and i was in drama and stuff i wasn't in band but i was in drama and stuff so i was i was in that world i hated the movie hated that movie but i like the other movies that i mentioned so uh recently he's worked on macgyver and more television stuff it was written by chris matt chris chris matheson and ed solomon chris matheson son of richard matheson writer of i am legend i thought that was the most interesting thing in the world to be your father's you know the i am legend guy i've read a lot of richard matheson stuff so you know i like, still like i am legend like i know it's not like the movie in the book like i still like him a lot just i know a lot no, of people I shit there's on not them. a version of it that i dislike that's the thing it's one of those things where it's just an interesting premise so therefore yeah the movie's always at least interesting not necessarily great, but interesting <laughs> and worth watching for a future for a future episode. We do the oh, yeah. variations on. We should watch Omega Man. Legend, Omega Man, Omega Man, the Last Man on Earth, the Vincent Price one. Yeah. So, 
moving on from Richard Matheson, who has no involvement in this movie other than his kid. It was uh, written by uh, also Ed Solomon. So Ed Solomon, a lot of stuff. Super Mario Brothers movie, which is a bad movie that I like from being a kid. He started out on Laverne and Shirley. And probably what he's most famous for uh, recently and then before that. Now You See Me, the the magic movies. And before that, though, Men in Black. So Men in Black was his big. And that was a big, big movie for me just personally at the time. It's not one that's kind of stayed with me. But in the mid-97, 98 that came out, that was a big movie for me. So it stars Keanu Reeves as Ted, Fedor, Logan, Alex Winter as Bill as Preston, Esquire. I was now I realize. Wait, what, what is with the Esquire? Is it just because yeah, is, like, is, it, is it funny <laughs> yeah, or is it just he's a legal assistant or something? He's just... he's just stupid, but in a positive and fun way, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> But as a kid, I just it was amazing. That's all I know. And George Carlin as Rufus. And it's funny thinking of George Carlin because this was this and Thomas at the Tank Engine was my first impression of George Carlin. And it's so different than his stand up. <laughs> yeah. And then later on, I'm like, that's the same guy. That's Thomas the Tank Engine guy. And that's Rufus from and Bill also, and Ted. It's also weird because and it's weird because I um, so I haven't I haven't disclosed this yet to you guys. This is my first time watching this film. I had never no, seen this film before. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, yeah. Well, when, when we when we were talking about it, I didn't want to say anything until recording. Um, I've never seen any of these films before, uh, nor the TV show. Nothing. I've never seen anything Bill and Ted. I've only heard and seen clips and everything. Um, and so, but it was weird because for some reason there was some facts and stuff that I had known prior. Like I knew that, like, um, you know, um, oh my God, we just said his name. Um, why am I blanking? George Carlin. George Carlin. George Carlin wasn't supposed to be in this film. Apparently, they really, really like they were gunning for um, uh, for Mr. Connery, for Sean Connery, to be his character. Oh. That was yeah, like, I heard that too. And I heard they also were going for Eddie Van Halen. Like that was going to be yeah. like a joke within the movie. That <laughs> yeah, because they always wanted him as part yeah. of the band. Because then at the end, Rufus like wails on the guitar. You know, he's really good. Yeah, that would have been hilarious if they're like, we want Eddie Van Halen and uh in the band, and then it's like. They don't even realize that it's the guy is that yeah 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 but like I, I but yeah I, I did read the Sean Connery thing so. I I knew about that before um for years ago for some strange reason because I think we were talking because I think they like they approached him and Sean Connery was just like no like just straight up like because <laughs> at the time especially around that time he would do anything I mean hell that he would remake an entire James Bond movie horribly in America you know uh, you know just I, just I, to get this. I know the writer of that. <laughs> Oh, well, Jesus. he's passed away now. Oh but. wow! So, so Tyler, I'm wondering with with this movie how it's uh it's like cultural phenomenon, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Does it live up to that reputation in in your eyes? Um. Okay. So I have a lot of opinions on this film. Um. I didn't. I. I see. I didn't watch it because of like the normal stuff where I'm just kind of like I'm not gonna watch this movie because it's overloved and stuff like that. I just didn't have interest in it. To be honest, I don't like 80s movies that much. Uh, like, they have to be just superb for me to like them. There's And there's very few 80 comedy movies that I like. Like, Beverly Hills Cop. And um, really, that's the only thing I can think of that I, I actually like. The 80s... It's, the, it's eight, the only movie that matters for me. I know. Like, Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> well, no, no, no. For comedies. Sci-fi. No. Sci-fi. Um, like, oh my god. The 80s fucking rocked that um like you know especially 1982 especially which is what we talked about during the blade runner yeah, uh, yeah at length blade but runner um 
which, which comes is out, actually coming in the future. Yeah, which is coming in the future. Um, <laughs> we record, we're, we're recording this that. Is, this is our this time travel episode. Yeah, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah, right. We haven't released that yet. <laughs> we did that like months ago. It's bizarre. Well, teaser. It's a teaser. <laughs> teaser. But um, <laughs> the, the, the 80s is just a a decade that uh, – yeah, I'm sorry. And I forgot, also forgot I love Better Off Dead, but I don't know why, but I do love it. But, oh, so, fantastic. That's why. I, I, yeah, I love Better Off Dead. I did I didn't care for this film. I'm also not even the biggest fan of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but this movie has charm. And uh, I w- I will definitely talk about that a lot, you know, later on, but um going into this movie, I expected to really not like it, maybe chuckle a couple times. I didn't laugh at all during this film, but my heart did sink and I did get emotional, especially at the end because even though they're the two dumbest characters, and there's a lot of those movies where like the characters are just so like, like I'm not a fan of Dumb and Dumber at all. I don't like them. I don't like I I don't like the characters. They're not relatable at all. They're just too stupid, and it drives me crazy. And like Napoleon Dynamite, same thing. Every character I fucking hate because they're just so stupid and unrelatable, and I don't care about them. I want them all to fail. Um, and yeah, same thing with Dumb and Dumber. Uh, Nacho Libre and a bunch of other movies. I, I I feel like if the characters are just not relatable and they're and if they're just too stupid, I don't care and I want them to fail. And if they fail, then I feel better as, as a human being. So this did movie, you think Bill and Ted were too stupid? Like, so, did you so, feel so? This movie, no. I actually at the end very much like them. They grew, um, and I don't know what it was, but it, there was it was a part. It was it was a part where like clicked for me. Which was when, um, when te- uh, Bill uh, treated his stepmom as mom, and he like because at first you meet him and he's like over sexualizing her, and then he like when she's with him and she's in the car and he like calls her mom and it's, like this really nice little moment. That was kind of like this one like like moment where I kind of was like, oh, I actually like really like these characters, and yeah. they're really Oops. dumb but they're sweet and they actually did grow. And no, so I guess like after that whole spiel um, or TED talk, I like Bill and Ted. I like them as characters. They they grew. They are relatable. And yes, they're so dumb. But the thing is, is that like I think this movie, which barely had a budget and almost wasn't made, and definitely was not like this. It was a miracle that this thing got distributed. Like let's just let's just say. Yeah, like like it was a miracle. Like like this almost did not see the light of day, and the fact that like big budget movies like Napoleon Dynamite or um, you know Dumb and Dumber and a few other films that I can't think of at the top of my head that have like these stupid characters that are just so beloved and have like these millions of dollars and these amazing actors playing these like like Jeff Daniels is one of the greatest living actors right now. Like the the man is seriously one of the best actors and the fact that he's in Dumb and Dumber actually insults me. Like it, I actually feel insulted oh. with the fact that See, he wasted his talent being in that film. This maybe yeah. that film also made his career, but still it's like the weirdest thing to me. Where this movie, I love everybody in it and it took me a while, maybe 30 minutes into the movie to actually like it. I think it was whenever Napoleon stopped being so annoying i guess like maybe it was like the bowling alley i think that's when i started liking the film was around the bowling alley nice nice and yeah that's what i love about those characters bill and ted there's a lot of sincerity about them and they're very like innocent and i really like how they like talk to everybody the same yes like focus journey they talk to god 
Abraham Lincoln just the same. They act the same way. They're like, party on, dude. Yeah. Be excellent to each other. <laughs> and there's like something very endearing about that. Um, and it's funny, Napoleon, I really like Napoleon's like, like while they're doing time travel, while they're traveling through time and getting all the historical figures like Beethoven, you have little parts with Deacon and Napoleon and they have like the Ziggy Piggy, you know, and just like seeing his reaction, like the fish out of water of like Napoleon in like an ice cream shop. Or, like, in the bowling alley when he, like, you know, strikes out, has a gutter ball, and he's like, murder, murder, murder. He's just like, shit, shit, shit. Yeah. To me, it wasn't even that. It was the fact that, like, he understood the rules and the scoring, and he was just so mad at Deacon. Like, it was, like, that moment where he's putting the points, and I'm like, okay, he understands the game now. And then he's just looking at Deacon like he just wants to murder him (laughs) because he's just annihilating him. Um yeah, I, I particularly love the moment with uh, Socrates, Socrates Johnson. Oh my god! Where they're in ancient Greece, and he, and he goes, "All we are is, is dust, dust in the wind." Yeah, and like so- Socrates or Socrates, he actually like freaks. I was like, "Oh, oh!" And yeah. he like, and they just pull him in the phone. Booth. And he just like goes, "Yeah, I love that part because he's just like it's just so short." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah just like uh, you, you blew my mind." Or quoting Kansas. Or I, I just love that, that Socrates and Billy the Kid become best friends, like in like five seconds, like two. Like, like that's the thing is like like this movie, and I, I went back and rewatched it too, uh, because it is so short, and I was working. Um, like I I I was so not really bored, just really, just really, really, really getting ready to be disappointed and to really just hate my time with it, like I have with other movies that I have named a couple multiple times. Um, that are so beloved and just stars, you know, people being st- too stupid. Um, like I, I feel like that there's a way to play stupid, and you know, and for me to enjoy the film. Like I would say, the Marx Brothers are perfect because yes, they're all really, really, really dumb. But when you have like the fourth wall humor, or like there's a way for you to present the jokes and to set up the jokes. To where, like, yes, the characters are dumb as hell. However, like, the situation isn't. Where the Farley, I would say the Farley brothers just, like, almost, like, I, I maybe like two of their films. And it, it's just, it, it just keeps, it's just this hammer and this nail. And they just keep hammering this nail. And then they won't stop until, like, the whole board is, like, broken in half. And they're just like, keep, <laughs> keep hitting it. And it's, um, but Bill and Ted. Like again, like you said, they they talk to everybody exactly the same, which is what I love because it's yeah, it's like the sweet, it's like the sweetest, like little, it's the sweetest thing, and but they they treat everybody differently, but they treat situations differently, and to me, that's what I actually really, really, really like, and it's a little bit of that innocence, I guess, and where um, the other characters are so chaotic, but Bill and Ted are just like I, I don't really care, I just want to get, I just want to get an A. I don't want to go, I don't want, I don't want my dad to send me away. Like the only drive is for, like they don't care about history, they don't care about <laughs> the lives that they're that they're affecting. Uh, they just, they just don't want Ted to be sent away. <laughs> and like I love the fact also about this film about like how rock and roll is the biggest thing, but they don't know how to play rock, like anything like <laughs> yeah, that is like one of my favorite, like ongoing jokes of the film. And with the best payoff at the end where it's just, where it is just George Carlin riffing. And then you're just like, this is their moment. They're just going to play and it's going to be magical. And then they're just bad. I don't know. It was like, I, I felt like all the jokes that they, that they set up in this film had a punchline and it hit really 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 well even though it's ridiculous like mozart you know like um 
just 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 playing and being taken away, and then him just rocking out the mall, and then like at the end. They're, like, they're talking about, like or, like, you know, where uh, I think, like, somebody says off campus, like, oh, he? oh, I didn't know Mozart's favorite song was, like, from this blank band from the 70s or something like that. Like, like, like it was, like, some some left-hand comment, and it was just brilliant. I'm glad you really enjoyed it, especially, yeah. you know, seeing it for the first time, and I'm really glad that it lived up to your expectations. So, Josiah, what is the character moment that you really loved about the movie what what really I'm, struck I'm, gonna, I'm not going to answer your question because I want to kind of go off a little bit we could come back to that but I want to go off a little bit of what Tyler said just from a different perspective now I still enjoy the movie very much but I saw this movie in the theater in 1989 so I remember specifically we didn't go to a lot of movies at this point my mom and dad took all of us I am one of four boys I'm the youngest of four boys uh to the movie theater we went to Northway Mall in uh, in near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, North Hills, PA, and the the cheap theater it was like a second run theater. You know what I mean? And my dad was gonna take and go see one movie, and mom was gonna go see another, and we got to pick. My dad went and saw No Holds Barred, which is the Hulk Hogan like wrestling movie, which is just awful, but borders on so bad it's good kind of thing. And then um, mom took. Uh, had the option of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And I wanted to see both movies. And obviously, since I've seen both, my brother Jake and I went with mom and we saw Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So I saw this in the movie theater at the time. So it was absolutely, I absolutely loved it because it was, you know, it's either older, but it's aimed at that, you know, what, how old was I? I was born in 82. So I was, what well, is 89, right? So I was, I was a young little, little, uh, almost eight year old there. So, for that reason, it didn't hold up for me as much as I I had not seen it in many, many, many years. And I have seen more recently, and I think Bogus Journey is actually a better film. Yeah, so I've, been, I, I, I've been told by everybody that Bogus, uh, uh, Bogus Journey is definitely the better of the films. Yeah, and, so, and I know I've seen that one more recently. Yeah, and I think that one stands more than this one does. Not that it's a bad movie, but it's a pretty low-budget movie, like maybe six between six and 10 million. I looked up different numbers, but it was not a very expensive movie for what they tried to do in terms of like, you know, they bought some big production to it. Yeah. The the effects were pretty decent for basically a comedy sci with sci-fi elements yeah. as opposed to like a true sci-fi movie. But it's like watching some of the stuff now. I was like, man, I saw this movie when I was with my mom when I was like seven. And the, the stuff with like Ted's mom or uh, Bill's mom, rather, especially or Bill's stepmom, Missy, and the dad. And they're like, he's like doing her in your room or whatever. I'm like, that's so unbelievably like really gross oh, yeah. to me. This is not a kid's movie at all. <laughs> no, not, not, but it is. It also is. It's weird. That's the weird thing about it. I know. And yeah. I think. <laughs> And I think it, I think the fact that it doesn't try to tread a line is why it works because the joke mm. the jokes are just based enough that as a kid I wasn't you know the stuff that was over my head was over my head in a way that I wasn't offended but the stuff that I got like Napoleon learning how to bowl or go down a water slide or whatever wackiness was going on yeah. that was just great the whole scene at the mall I loved as a kid loved it loved it loved it loved it loved it I loved I still love Billy the Kid he was my favorite probably character in the movie and. It, and he doesn't really do anything watching it now. I'm like, not that I dislike him, but I'm like, why did I like Billy the Kid more? Now I love Deacon. He's my like one for me. I Billy like Deacon a lot. Kind of like a paternal figure to all the other characters. Like he's throwing a football with soccer tees. And he's kind of like, he goes with soccer yeah, tees totally. to the girls. 
And he's like, you know, trying to pick up on the girls, and they're like, "Oh, I like his sandals," and it's such a great moment. When I think Billy the Kid, because I guess watching it now, like Billy, like he def- he protects Bill and Ted. He becomes yeah, a protector because they helped him, they saved him, and that's it. Even though they created the scenario that got him in danger, he, yeah. so he owes them. So he does like he's he's on their team from now on. And I think it reflects why Bill and Ted endure, and why I love this movie still, even though. It's kind of you can see the cheapness in the production at times. Oh, absolutely, wonky <laughs> editing things and stuff like that. But it pays off really well. But beyond that, the positivity of the characters and this kind of segues, I guess, into Paul's original question: the character moments. For example, what really worked for me is when they accidentally go to the future, like maybe midway through or like pretty early on. And it's cool because it's Clarence Clemens is one of the, the, the it's like they're, they call them the three most important people in the world or something. It's like that council of future people. Yeah. And then everyone comes yeah. out to greet Bill and Ted and be excellent. And it's the song that's playing. And it's this really dramatic moment that's kind of like it's not played silly. It's 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 not played for laughs. And it's beautiful. And it's and it, it still like kind of gets me every time. And that's what makes the movie work. There's a there's a positivity to it that holds it together that when there's stuff that doesn't make sense, like when Bill and Ted get captured in the medieval times and then all of a sudden they get rescued by Billy and, and Socrates and there's no logic for how they were the executioners. Not that you necessarily need to know it in this kind of yeah. movie, but it's just like, it's them, yay! And as a kid, I'm like, yeah, it's them, they're saved. But now as a, as a writer, I'm like, wait, but why are they the ones saving them? But then I'm like, you're overthinking this, Josiah. Yeah. Be excellent. Yeah. <laughs> this movie was was almost not made. <laughs> so it's like, it's one of those things where it's a different point of view where it does, definitely doesn't hold up as what I remember it being, yeah. but I still find joy in it. And I think that's why it's a movie that can live on. That when my kids are much older than when I first watched it. I'll let them watch it. <laughs> so the funny thing about this movie is I actually, um, I actually watch it on VHS and then every once in a while I'll, I'll catch it on cable, but just different little parts of it. And it was a long time before I actually saw the whole thing, uh, the whole movie in, in its entirety. Uh, but every time I watch it, I was like, that's a cool movie. What's this movie called? Like as I was a kid. And, and then finally um, I saw, I finally saw the whole thing in VHS and I really enjoyed it. And over the years, like when it came out on DVD, I was like, oh, my God, Bill and Ted. And I'll buy it and I'll watch it. And now I have it like on, on Blu-ray with on the, the Shout Collection. But every time I revisit it, it's like you feel that sense of pos- positivity. You, yeah. you, you know, go back to that time when you're, you know, when you're a kid and you have that sense of nostalgia. Um, I actually didn't see in the, in the theater, which I wish I did. I wish I saw Bill and Ted. I wasn't born yet. Or wait, when did this come out? 89? 89. Oh, I, I was one years old. <laughs> <laughs> you were just a fetus. I was. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I did see Bogus Journey in a theater and really loved it. And actually, I remember seeing the trailer and it's just them falling. And they're like, why are we yelling, dude? Why are we yelling while we're falling? And I was like, yeah. oh, I'm going to see this movie. This is amazing. And I love Bogus Journey. I think for me, I love both of those movies so much. Um, if I were to prefer one over the other, I'd prefer Excellent Adventure over mm. Bogus Journey because I feel like Bogus Journey as a third act kind of goes off the rails with Station and like they kind of didn't know how to end it, I feel. But, uh, you know, it's just my opinion. But I love Excellent Adventure so much. And, and uh, you know, I'm hoping sometime in the future we could revisit 
bogus journey. Yeah, I'm down. Actually, get your impressions of it when uh, maybe you we know. can do bonus journey and then Dolan had uh, face the music. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would love to to do that. I am legit excited because I, I did watch the Comic Con panel and I absolutely loved it. I also do want to retract. Uh, maybe I'm just grumpy and, t- and tired. I forgot that the '80s does have a lot of amazing comedies like Ruthless People, um, Monty Python, History World Part One, and I didn't know the Airplane. I thought Airplane was in the '70s. Like I would have swore and bet money on Airplane being in the in the '70s. It was 1980, and then Arthur, my 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 second favorite film of all time, is uh, <laughs> is 1981, which I also thought was like '76. But so yeah. I just wanted to retract. Also, the Blues Brothers, which is one of the greatest films of all time as well, was nineteen was on nineteen eighty. Oh, I, so I love Blues there are, there are plenty of amazing comedies. I am just grumpy, <laughs> so I just wanted to call so, myself out. Yeah, the 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 most um, I think entertaining uh, section of the movie is um, the the mall scene when they have a montage of all the different yeah. uh, like Genghis Khan. Genghis and, Khan is uh, hilarious. Like sports shot. Sports sort of like destroying the mannequin and like <laughs> flipping over a cop, and then they have Beethoven. And he's like playing on the piano, and I like when the 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 salesman he puts on that he presses that button and it plays that little musical hymn. Yeah, and like Beethoven has like this look of joy in his face. <laughs> like, this is magic. But, uh, yeah, there's like and the Joan of Arc. She uh she 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 does that aerobics class and she's like really hyper and like she pushes the instructor away. Yeah. Um, so I did yeah, I, just, I understand that, that but I also, I also know that, that like, that kind of like exercise and whatever was like really big in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Like jazzercise. Yeah. No, it totally was like that. That was a big thing. I know the aerobics type stuff was like a phenomenon at that time. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember my mom like doing that kind of thing. So so yeah, I just I, I just love how these little like these little in jokes that really work so well to kind of highlight how like these characters kind of fish out of the water, and it's kind of fa- fascinating to watch these characters like kind of out of their element. Like Abraham Lincoln was taking a picture with that uh, with his hat on, and the guy's like, "Hey, t- give me the hat back. It's you're done with the picture." And then he he's like, "This is my hat. I'm Abraham Lincoln. I don't know what you're talking about." And he pushes the guy and runs off, and it just like really cracks me up. So. Out of all the characters, out of all the historical figures that uh, are in the movie, which one do you feel is your favorite? That really, I I, I would say, I mean, like Billy the Kid and Socrates are the ones with the, with the most like time, um, you know, and like an understanding. Cause I don't think Beethoven really says a word until the end, and then. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln was just kind of like Abraham. He was just exactly how I would assume Abraham Lincoln was, besides him screaming bloody murder, being like, why the fuck am I in the future? What's going on? Um, So I would say either, like, uh, I would just say it's a tie between Socrates and Billy the Kid, because they're the ones I care about the most. Like, Napoleon was great, but I think Napoleon was only great because of, like, kind of going bouncing off of Deacon until the end. Mm -hmm. Of, like, Deacon being really stoic. And just kind of being like, okay. And then, like, and Napoleon just, like, being way, way too angry. Okay, so Napoleon was great because, I mean, he had the advantage, I should say. Not, he was great, but he had he was great because, in part, he had the advantage of more time to do things to sort of bounce off of different weird situations. Yeah. Whereas the other characters had less to do. So Billy the Kid and so- Socrates really stand out for, for similar reasons. For me, I would say it's Socrates because 
he's not speaking English and it's much more like just kind of the way he moves his hands and his expressions are so intense with his face that a lot of it comes off. It's much more physical comedy without saying anything. Or when he talks, yeah. his, you know, the, 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 my favorite part of the movie is when Bill, uh, or is it Ted? It's Ted that's translating for him in his speech. And he's like, what do you think of San Dimas? And then he like shakes the ground and he's like, it is excellent or something. It's just like this great, like, the way and then the crowd's like oh right like like the just the way he that keanu reeves like can like connects through that moment it's so awesome <laughs> through the physical performance of the actor that played so great it's just great <laughs> keanu reeves did so well in this movie and like i i regret ever thinking that keanu reeves couldn't act and now i think it was mostly because of the existence of bram spoker's dracula but um he's so good like honestly him as Ted is so oh, yeah. good. I don't. I, I just always feel like like just going back and watching other things besides Bram Stoker's Dracula. Like I, I used to shit on him so much, and like especially now he's like one of my favorite actors and like one of my favorite people in the world now. Like just hearing more like all these stories about him and, and how he just treats people, and like the guy's amazing. And I, I just always regret like think thinking ill of him, and yeah, yeah. I think he's just he's held up so well. And he's so good in this role as Ted, and he just, you know, John Wick, Matrix. I mean, there's so many movies throughout his career that are just, like, classics that are just really, like, um, are part of the pop culture uh, consciousness. And uh, so one thing I actually wanted to highlight, actually... Oh, sorry, can I say one more thing? I I even recently watched Speed, which is... I never liked that film. And then I saw it recently, and I liked it so much more. And he's really good, but so is Sandra Bullock. Like, they're both actually, like... Really good in that film, which is really weird. It being speed, <laughs> so I, I, I kind of want to say that. So uh, one thing I wanted to highlight with uh, Keanu Reeves is that he's you know he's he's really great as Ted, and he's great as you know Neo in the Matrix and uh, you know uh, John Wick. There's so many iconic roles that he's been in throughout the decades, and he really has like aged well. And um, the thing that is striking to me is I was watching the bonus features, and they had um, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. And they had this great rapport with each other. They they were like Bill and Ted, you know, in real life. That they just like really bounced off well of each other. And I was doing some research. And I discovered that they actually were discovered outside of McDonald's in Tempe, Arizona. And they actually um, auditioned for the part. They were paired together. And Chris Mathis and Ed Solomon, they um, initially they originated the character and they actually played the character on stage. Um, but they were out, you know, uh, going to McDonald's or whatever, and they saw Keanu and um, and Alex, and and they they saw them, and they're like, "Wow, those are, that's that's Bill and Ted. I hope they're in the movie. I hope they auditioned." And so I I just love that that rapport that they have with each other it translates so well in the movie, and then it also continues to this day seeing it in the special in the special features. So it really gives a lot of hope for you know Bill and Ted face the music. Uh, when when that comes, which up. by the way it does involve the original writers, so uh, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon are back as well, so they're writing the new movie as well. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, 
the uh, like you said, it was interesting because they they basically performed those characters of Bill and Ted as a stand up routine. That was when they were in college. That's where it started. And 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 I kind of felt watching the end of this movie, that whole bit with the historical figures, you could just see that as a stand up act without the sort of fancy production values, but sort of the same beats and the same jokes. It would totally work where you take turns where one of them stays in characters Bill or Ted, and then the other one would maybe play the part of you know, of, of Genghis Khan running around the stage like a crazy person or what have you. And you just can, like, you could totally have those jokes play in that way. It shows you just, it just, it's just funny. That part's just funny. I love that part of the movie for sure. The payoff is just so excellent. It works really, really well. Yeah, I agree. And initially, that, that scene was going to be in the classroom and they filmed the whole scene in the classroom and they realized that it didn't work because they were isolating each of the characters you know, each character had its own segment and Bill and Ted weren't really involved. So they went back to the studio and said, hey, this is not going to work. We need to reshoot this. So they reshot it and included Bill and Ted, you know, and had, you know, they wanted to give it more, um, you know, uh, you know, they wanted to you know, blow it up a little bit more and have the, the lighting arrangement and have it more of a, a spectacle. And so, you know, they came up with that that production. And one thing that really I thought was pretty funny is uh, when Freud was psychoanalyzing Ted, uh, you know, he, he says everything about his dad, how his dad is projecting onto him. And then he, Bill goes, he goes to Bill and said, Hey, do, do you want to sit down and do you want me to analyze you? And he's like, no, I just have a, yes. I just have a minor. I love that. It's like, I love that so joke. But also, it's a nice reference to back to the future. The first one. <laughs> Wait, is it is it a reference? I, th- I think it's yeah. I, I I see what you're saying. I didn't see it as a reference until Paul mentioned it as a reference. But yeah, just as a joke on its own. Yeah. But also, originally they were going to have a van, Bill and Ted. It was going to be Bill and Ted's time van. Really? And because of Back to the Future and the whole car thing, they needed a different like vehicle to transport them through time. And they came up with a phone booth, which is kind of funny now because I, I worked on a production in like the mid 2000s for a, for a film mm. for a, like a short film and we couldn't find then a phone booth in Los Angeles that was like just available without renting one off a studio we could not just find one that physically still existed and that was like <laughs> almost 15 years ago so that tells you something i mean finding a phone booth it's just funny but that was why they changed it the time to from the van because of the DeLorean so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was sort of a double layered joke there, as Paul mentioned. That definitely makes and, sense. And the funny thing about that is, in a way, it's kind of a nod to the police box from Doctor Who, and so it kind of invites a little bit. Oh, of totally. I wonder. I think that was, from what I understand, that was intentional. Oh, it was okay. I was gonna say, like, I wonder on that front because, yeah, like that—that that is like pretty on the nose with with that, and like, yeah, hmm. interesting. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, so I'm sure like the BBC would have said something had they thought that this movie was actually going to be released. I bet you anything after it got released, they're like, damn it. <laughs> like, we didn't think this would be released. We didn't do anything about it. <laughs> so one thing that really cracked one set piece that really cracks me up is when they're in the time circuits and they're like all in the in the phone booth like it's a canoe. And they're like, whoa, like, riding a wave. And, and every time I see that, it's just like. I had this huge grin on my face just seeing them like on this in the phone booth like a canoe and they're all stuffed in there 
like yeah, like all of yeah, and there's like a lack of logic to it because they're like it's like just their upper bodies, but where are their yeah. legs? It's like you know, and, and, and when they go in, they walk out the door, which doesn't matter, but that's part of the fun of the movie that they just yeah, this is what it does. It works this way. So one, I want to tell one other sort of personal story that relates to this movie that I just thought of. So the the big you know speech part, there's that one guy who's like Cindy was high school football rules, and he shouts, and everybody like goes oh. crazy, right? <laughs> Famous moment, of course, like just that's like the most. I think maybe the most iconic part of the movie for me, but this, I'll just explain why. So when I was a junior in high school, I ran for junior class president. Hmm. And I did want to win and I wanted to do a good job, but I don't think people took me seriously. And it's because my speech was basically just all jokes and references to things like everything you can imagine, including that line where I shouted that. And that's like definitely out of character. And basically, like I had made sure my friends would like cheer like crazy when no one else got the joke. So like 10 people were like, yeah, and everybody else is just quiet for that. Yeah. But interestingly enough, so weirdly, just a few months ago, the guy that beat me for that election was elected in Pennsylvania as uh, to the Pennsylvania House of Representatives Jesus. or something. Oh, yeah. Wow. So weirdness. But is- yeah. <laughs> so, so I'll always... I told him, I said, uh, I'm your start in politics. I wouldn't put myself politically anywhere in the world near him, but I think he's a good person. That's so nice. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so one thing I wanted to highlight, and I would be remiss in my, in my duties if I didn't bring this up, is uh, George Carlin. Um, I feel that he brought so much gravitas to the role. And even though he had a couple minutes, and it, it really kind of grounded the yeah, film. Yeah, I was going to say, he really wasn't in what the movie you, all that much. He didn't really impact me at all while watching this. Oh, really? So what, what do you think about George Carlin's performance that worked for you? I want to say real quick, uh, just based on what Tyler said. Yeah, you know what's funny? I had it more, it, my memory of it was much bigger. He did much more. He was all over the movie, but he really wasn't. And it almost surprised me watching it again for the first time in such a long time that he was barely in it. Yeah, I I, so. I I like seeing him in it. However, I think anybody could have done that role. <laughs> like, oh well, it, it's uh, it's sad to say. It just I don't think Rufus is that, um, you know, strong of a character. I think that George Carlin probably made him a little bit more. I, I think George Carlin did a great job for us to kind of like, um, you know, gravitate towards him. But I, I just think that that's just how George Carlin is or was. As a person, he was just one of those people that was just so yeah, he's like, just like a magnetic, yeah, magnetic personality. He's just, so good yeah, with instantly, words, instantly likable. Yeah, he's so good no, with words, he's, and so yeah, instantly cool. He's just a cool guy, and and the thing it's it's funny because I even though he didn't like, I was surprised how little of the screen time he, he did have, but I feel like his his presence kind of grounded the movie so that it kind of didn't spiral off into absurdity. Like it, it really kind of grounded everything together and i think he just works so well with keanu reeves and alex winter like they have a great rapport with each other and he has a presence um akin to maybe like darth vader where he doesn't have much screen time in a new hope but he like really kind of grounds the film and really kind of uh uh gives that gravitas to to the movie and so i told i really appreciate george carlin and in fact one of the things that um i felt was um a problem with the second one is that I don't feel he was really highlighted that much in Boga's journey. He wasn't as integral to the plot. Like he didn't guide them as much as he did in, in ex- excellent adventure. But uh, I mean, do you think was, do you think anybody else could have done that role or 
maybe done it better. I, or... I, I, I actually agree with Tyler. I don't think he did anything exceptional. It's just, I think part of why it works in retrospect is that it is George Carlin. And it's like, whoa, that's George Carlin in that role. That's why it works. But in terms of what he doesn't do anything particularly special with the character, there's nothing really there. He's really, he's their guide, but he's really the audience's guide to sort of ground the movie and sort of, he's a through line for the audience to understand that part of it. But he also, what, why the character, what he works functionally is he sort of then allows for the world, that weird future world and the premise of the time travel to sort of be believable because he takes it seriously, but not too seriously. So he just has that right level of charm. And maybe that's what he does in credit to George Carlin there. But I don't think he, and it's in part just because there's the nature of the role and the screen time. There's not much for him to do with it beyond that. He does a good job with it. and But like I said, at the same time, I remember him much bigger in this movie in my head than yeah. he was. So and now I would say like, I can not definitely see like Sean Connery or somebody like some bigger name, but it's not necessarily, it, it wouldn't have worked if it was just like someone you don't recognize in that role. Yeah. It's gotta yeah. be someone, you know, I, and uh, someone older. Like, like, so. there's, like there's a couple actors that I could definitely see around that time. Like Bobcat Goldweight would have been fine. Um, and Sam Kinison would have been awesome. Like, like there are other actors that are, especially around that time would still would have been good too. Like even, um, you know, Bill Murray at that time too would have been pretty good. Chevy Chase maybe, you know, if somebody actually wanted to work with that douchebag. I think those guys at that time were a little too young though. You know, that's the yeah, problem. Like, Bobcat Goldway was, was like, older than, you know, Bobcat's like in his kind of 70s now, 60s, 70s now, isn't he? Or 60s? How old is Bobcat Goldway now? Uh, I mean, but, but I George Carlin was like, for... what, at that time? So he would have been born in like the late 30s early 40s probably right yeah, he's so he's yeah, almost how old will how old would he have been then he would have been almost like 50 like, almost 50 yeah. so you yeah i think i think and i think those other guys like are probably just a little a tad too young or at least appeared too young i mean i don't think the like, character needed to be old <laughs> no but he, but he but but he be by sort of appearing to be that older person he's the wise old sage you know what i mean it's not old old but like i mean i guess in bill and ted's world of course like if bill murray played that part even at that time in bill and ted's world he's an old man you know even though he would have been like even though bill bill murray might have been my age at that point you know what i mean he might have been in his like late 30s i don't know exactly yeah i would have been i would have much rather like a 17 year old he's grandpa yeah i would have much rather seen sam kinnison in that role because sam kinnison was like really big into the rock and roll scene i think the thing with with the other act like sam kinnison or bobcat goldwaith is they wouldn't know to kind of tone it down a little bit like their personalities would kind of overwhelm the movie and then it would become about about them more so than bill and ted like, I feel George Carlin is able to kind of tone it down a little bit and and make it, like, he, you know, he makes it known that he's not the center of, of the story. It's really Bill and Ted's story. And so he kind of tones it down and kind of is that sagely character. So it's it's like, I look at the way George Carlin... I've never George seen Carlin any movie where Bobcat Goldwaite tried to t- steal the steal the scene from anybody. I don't think I've ever seen a movie with him doing that. I mean, he has like a, <laughs> he has like a persona that I just don't think would have really fit with a movie. 
You know, I think it would kind of like, yeah, I think he's the worst possible example of someone to be in that position. Sam Kinison, I like, actually, I'll say that. But Bobcat Goldwyn, I, I think no. Bobcat, Sam Kinison, I, I, like. I don't think they would have wanted him to be that persona because, again, in the other movies like Scrooge and like the other ones that he was in, they told him to do that voice. I'm sure in this movie they were just like, can you just play yourself? Like he would have been himself because he's not like that in real life. <laughs> he talks very no, normally. I mean, but that's, like I think Paul's kind of was getting at his persona yeah, more than anything else, and and in 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 part of his persona is so over the top that if mm. you have him not doing that in the movie, what's the value? In a weird way, what's the value of having him in that movie? So you know what I mean, yeah. and that's why I don't think he would have worked because you got to like you want you want to play off who he is off stage, and that's why the George Carlin casting does work because it yeah. does play off who he is because he has this in his stand up. He gets to these crazy moments, but it's through this sort of steadiness, this yeah. this thoughtfulness that then he gets to this sometimes crazy punchline. And that's why it worked. And he, he just kind of just has that steadiness. And the crazy punchline here, it plays out differently than his stand-up, but it's essentially the same sort of temperament that comes with it. So Damn it. Oh, that makes sense. So I'm wondering, uh, what is it about this movie? I that... do like the Sam Kinison idea, though. I yeah. would like to see that. That would have been, that would have been awesome. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> now well, I'm like, I'm just imagining. the music yet, so maybe that's... Oh, wait, no, he's dead. Never <laughs> he's mind. been dead. Like, he might have been dead when... He might have been dead when this came out, for all I, I know. I think he was probably dead before George Carlin was. Like, I think George, George... Carlin passed, like, five years ago, George right? Carlin passed away in 2008. 2008? Oh, okay. Man. But, but Bobcat... Not Bobcat. Uh, Sam Kinison was in the early 90s. Uh, Sam Kinison died in 19... I was right, 1992. He was... Dri- I know this for a fact... He was driving home from rehab, and he got hit by a truck. Oh, that's awful. Very, and, yeah, and, very you know, depressing I stuff. have to say, when I'm watching this movie, I really miss George Carlin because I think he would have been great commenting about the current times. Like, I think he would have really done yeah. well during these current times of, like, what's going on outside of this podcast. I, I, um, I would really like to hear his point of view. Wait, there's a world outside of this podcast? I don't think no. that's not true. That can't I, be I don't right. believe it. That can't be right. This is yep. the world for everyone yeah, everywhere. Is there is, right? <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I'm wondering, what do you think about this movie that has uh, held up all this time? You know, uh, you know, it came out in 89, and we're actually getting a sequel, Face the Music, pretty soon. So what... What has uh, made it endure for so long? Honestly, in your opinion, I don't know what it is, but this is a very—I would say this is a very timeless film. Um, I don't know. I think it's because it is just—I don't know. Honestly, like it, it's like this and Back to the Future one. I will not say two and three because I still do not like two. I never liked two and three before, and I still don't like Back to the Future two and three today. Um, I don't understand the love for it, but. Um, I, I don't know what it is about this film, but it holds up and it still feels fresh. I think it's maybe because there's n- no other movie that's like it, um, you know, that's that a- at least good in quality like this one. Like, yeah, like what Josiah said, it's a very cheap film and editing it has some editing problems, has some uh, also other things as well. But again, it is about two guys traveling through time to get an A on something and so and that's 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 the plot of this film it's 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 not like ferris bueller's day off where there's like a thousand things happening like oh he's skipping school and then the car gets go you know goes away and then they find themselves in a parade and then the the principal is trying to get up get at him as well and it's like ferris bueller to me just it's just there's just too much stuff going around that i just don't care anymore and 
Like the only character I like is the best friend that has a breakdown because he's the only one that I actually ha- like have any relatable like any relatability to at all in the movie because like he has emotions and Ferris Bueller is just too cool and not realistic at all. Um, I-, I think with this film, we're unlike a lot of other '80s movies. I would say, like even ones I love, like Ruthless People. This one just it's just it's it's a movie about two young guys going through a uh, time with people that we all know who they are, no matter what, because we all get taught these people or they're just kind of prevalent always. Like everybody knows who Billy the kid is for, because he's always pops up in weird movies. Like doesn't even pop up in green mile for some reason. And, um, and like, I don't know. I, I think that's what it is. It's just, there's characters that we know from the history. It's the, the characters themselves are like, really relatable like yeah they're really really stupid and dim-witted but they have like relatable like you know emotions i guess and like how i don't know and 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 it's just so wacky that you just kind of turn your brain off and you just have fun with it and that's it (laughs) i think just jumping on the same thing i think it's simple for me i think it's just so first you have really really likable characters really unbelievably likable characters and it's just such a positive movie it's really uplifting yeah it's just positive they're they're positive throughout like even when they hit the bumps in the road they're still generally positive and i think that just works they're positive it's not cynical either it's it's very different especially for like the 80s because this is really this is kind of a this is an 80s sci-fi movie even though it's much more comedy than sci-fi but it is an 80s sci-fi movie and a lot of 80s sci-fi movies as great as they are they're heavy 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 stuff it's really the blade runners and things like that i think you know i I just think it's this movie's like a lightning in a bottle kind of situation just everything worked out right and I kind of disagree. I think the editing was really great, how it takes the time travel set pieces and it intersperses with, uh, you know, Deacon and Napoleon and they ditch Napoleon. And every, like, the pacing is really good. But it's, there's it's, actually, Paul, just to interrupt, there's actually functionally bad editing at points. Yeah, that, like the, that's the, what in, I was going to say, too. Yeah, like, yeah, it's not like, it's not like the, the pacing shots. of that. Yeah. yeah, there's, like, like editing, like, mistake, like, and I think it's just because they couldn't fix certain things, particularly early in the film. So it's not that that the the pacing of the story isn't good in terms of editing, but it's like there's yeah. functionally bad editing in it because <laughs> I think they 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 probably couldn't do reshoots or that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean they had they didn't have much of a budget, and a lot of times through the production they were they were saying, oh, you know, this is not going to make the theaters. Like, don't worry about it. Like, like I was watching the bonus features and they can mention that a lot. Like, yeah, don't worry, it's not going to make it. It's not going to make it in the theaters. Uh, so I, I just think this the Bill and Ted. There's like a sincerity there and a camaraderie uh, yeah. w- with the both of them that is like just I said. It's it's very unusual. It's something that's very unique and and uh, timeless. And uh, you know, it's just a fun movie, a very positive movie, and it's something that you could revisit it at any time of the day or at any moment, and you'd really enjoy it. It really holds up very well yeah. because it's so. You know, it's so breezy. It's just 90 minutes, and you go on this great adventure. It's not even. It's actually less than 90 minutes. Yeah, it's like 90 yeah. minutes with with credits, right? <laughs> no, yeah. it's five but, minutes of credits, and it was, at, at least on Amazon, <laughs> mine was at an hour and 28 minutes, and it had five minutes of credits. 
There you go. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think it's one of those movies that just works so well, even though there's editing mistakes, like, functionally in the beginning. Yeah. No, but but uh, I, we weren't, like, I think Tyler and I both were not trying to diss the movie. We're trying to say that that, that that tells you how the movie holds up because, like, they were against their limitations and they, they overcame those limitations. That's what I think is, is why this movie is awesome. It overcame those things because a lesser yeah. movie would have been destroyed by maybe those kind of errors. And they're not, like, rampant through the film, but there's some that are, like, Oh, geez, that's a bad cut. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like there's a shot missing or something there, kind of thing. So, um, as we're about to wrap up, I just wanted to point out one thing that kind of cracked me up is uh, when they they get Genghis Kong, they're like luring him with a Twinkie, but right before that, he like you know grabs a girl and is like making out with her or whatever, and then and then they lure him with a Twinkie and he goes in the phone booth. <laughs> so I was watching uh, a Patton Oswalt uh, stand up, and he did one of those. Um, those DNA tests or whatever. And he was thinking like, uh, and he saw the test and he went to the guy and he's like, how come I'm part Mongolian? Like, why is that? And he found oh, out yeah, that he's yeah. actually related to Genghis Khan. Because he fucked everyone. And, and they're like, yeah, don't worry. You know, like there's millions of people related to Genghis Khan. He just went around. He was just that kind of guy. So that scene kind of just reminded me of that. And it just cracked me up. Um, so, uh, in closing, do you guys have any final thoughts about this movie? Anything else that you wanted to bring up? I I actually, like, I'm going to wait for Face the Music, and then I'm going to hope that they're going to have a Blu-ray box set um, remastered and everything. I, I actually really do want to watch. I think I want to watch Bogus Adventure and um, um, Face the Music at the same time. Like, just do, like, a, a, a uh, especially since Death is in both yeah. films. So, yeah. Cool. How about you, Josiah? Any final I just kind of going off on the last thing we said, I'm looking at my notes, and the last thing I wrote is it holds up because of the positivity. You know, and I, 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 I it, agree with it you. It just does. That's the biggest thing when I really think about it. That's what works the most. And there some jokes that land and some good characters and great, great chemistry, but just the positivity. And I, yeah. I remember when we picked this movie, my sort of stipulation was something that's positive or something to that effect. And yeah. this yeah. movie, Paul picked it and perfectly hit that note for me so yeah nice i definitely needed it i've been stressed out as hell lately so i needed something fun like this and uh yeah i'm really glad we went with this because we almost went with the muppet movie with <laughs> we we almost went with the uh, muppet christmas and Carol. those movies are all so depressing and dark i know this, like <laughs> yeah man. they're part of the dark universe that's with right the mummy the top the uh, Tom Cruise mummy and all. I I, I uh, will I will say Muppets from Space got really dark after a while because like Gonzo was like 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 so depressed and like 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 actually depressed and uh, like it made me kind of be like oh oh man he he is alone am I alone like do I feel like him and like <laughs> I'm like so, <laughs> like you're supposed to be a Muppets movie stop being so heavy on me I love Muppets from Space oh it's so underrated so the man. The main reason why I picked this movie is uh, because it has a really great message behind it, and it's be excellent to each other. Yeah, and that's something that's sorely lacking nowadays. I feel like everybody's kind of angry and uh, you know frustrated, and you know they want to attack everybody over many different things. It's just like a very toxic world that we live in right nowadays, and I think we all kind of need to give each other some slack and to have a little bit of understanding and empathy. For each other, so uh, I mean, the be excellent to, to each other. It's just something that really resonates with me, and yeah. it's something that I, I, I I've been trying to live by um, throughout this this crazy crazy year that we live in. 
Um, oh, and if, I, I love, I love how the movie, or the, actually the um, their presentation ends with Abraham Lincoln saying, "Be excellent to each other and party on, dudes!" As he looks right <laughs> into the camera. <laughs> I like that. I, I actually have one last thing I forgot to say uh, earlier because, so uh, I don't know. If this is gonna sting you guys. I absolutely hate Wayne Wayne's World. I, I both films. It's it it's like I, I would rather watch Paint Dry than watch those films. And I think the other thing as to why I never wanted to watch this film was because I thought this was gonna be so much like Wayne's World. Um because of like the whole rock and roll aspect of it and like the, the cult following and everything like that. And I'm very, very pleasantly surprised that it was not anything like Wayne's World. <laughs> good, good. So yeah, uh, that's about wraps it up. Um do you guys wanna plug anything before we close? I'll go. I'll go and get myself out of the way here. Uh, you can find me, Josiah is right, W R I T E on YouTube, which I'm going to start uploading new videos because I now have facilities to do so. I've been on a hiatus, and on Instagram, Josiah is right, W R I T E is a writer, and Instagram is mostly pictures of my dog and my kids, but YouTube also features my dog and kids, but a lot of geek stuff too. So check it out. Uh, you can actually find me on Instagram as uh, Arcade Blackfire. And Blackfire with a Y, so uh, Arcade and then Blackfire. What does that F-Y. mean? I've actually been meaning to ask you what Arcade Blackfire is. It's super nerdy. So it's one of my, my favorite band is Arcade Fire. Oh. And Blackfire is actually the Targaryen Bastards in Game of Thrones or the Song of Fire and Ice. They're part of, there's the Blackfire Rebellion and uh, they're trying to overthrow, because this is so nerdy. And I hope you edit this out. No, I won't. Don't worry. It's, it's a Targaryen. Like, there's a, 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 a one of the kings, one of the Targaryens. I think it was an Aegon Targaryen. And he actually legitimized all his bastards. And the, so there's those bastards form their own, um, form their own like empires, like Blackfire. And so every once in a while in, in Westeros history, there's a Blackfire rebellion. And one of them actually, like the fourth one was in the... Uh, the um, the Night of the Seven Kingdoms, which is the precursor to the Game of Thrones. So that's where I kind of mix the two of them. So Arcade Blackfire. That's I awesome. It, yeah, so there you go. And I'm a huge nerd. I've, I've been outed. As you, you do know what the network is called that this podcast is on, right? Oh, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> what? You're right. geeks? What? Oh, no my, geek we, shit on we, my we website, sir. No, I was kidding. I know I hide yeah. it so well. But, but. <laughs> yeah, um, I just want to say thank you guys for joining us of course. today. and uh... Thanks for listening in, everybody. You can check out our website at thegrandgeekgathering.com for our articles, our videos, our other podcasts, and so much more. You can follow us on all the social media, all of our podcasts. All eight shows are available on all podcast apps. Please subscribe and please review if you can. The music has been provided by Carlisle Laurent. Thank you, too, for being here so much. Check out Josiah's right and go follow Arcade Blackfire. And uh, you guys wear a mask, have a great week, and GGG. What's on the silver screen? I got some takes you wouldn't believe. Grab.